Hello, everyone, and inside today's Lockdown Canadians, I have a guest replacing Laura for the evening. We're going to talk potential Habs coaching changes, and we have so, 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 so many questions in the Friday mailbag, and that's all coming up next. For Lockdown Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 634 of Lockdown Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen, your first watch, your first download, whatever it may be here at uh, on Lockdown Podcast. We're free and available wherever you get your shows and on YouTube if you are watching our wonderful faces right now. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla, and I am not joined by the active stick Laura Sabbath tonight. Uh, we gave her the night off to do... Um, her own thing. She had another show that she was a part of that was going to run long. And I said, you know what? Nope. I got this covered. What could possibly happen on Thursday? I'm going to invite our good friend Ian Boisvert of the Build Podcast at Maybe It's Ian on Twitter. And Ian, uh, of course, because the Canadians this week just decided all news all the time. How are we feeling today? Well, you know, it's funny. I think, you know, with the, the way that the new Canadians are releasing news, we got you know, to eight o'clock this morning and there wasn't an official news blast. Like there wasn't, you know, that, that regular 8 a.m. that we're going to have to get used to moving forward instead of the normal, like I think what we had gotten used to was like the 5.30, 6 o'clock at night on a non-game day uh, news blast. So um, it's nice to have stuff to talk about. That, that certainly helps. Yes, and it, this kind of goes hand in hand with uh, what Martin St. Louis, after he signed his contract, new contract, not even a contract extension, I guess, uh, a few weeks ago, he mentioned that he was comfortable keeping his coaching staff in place. So Trevor Latowski, Alex Burrows, and Luke Richardson would all be returning this upcoming season. Uh, hit today, and this came from Frank Saravalli. This was not a news blast from the Canadians. That would be very weird if this came from the <laughs> Canadians. Uh Luke Richardson is at the forefront of the Chicago Blackhawks coaching vacancy. And my first thought was, I feel bad for Luke Richardson in that because Chicago is going to be a disaster. I also think it's good for the Canadians, but I also can't fully shake the feeling that I don't know what the replacement is. And I don't know if the devil you do know is the better is better than the devil you don't. And I'm, I'm trying to weigh my Luke Richardson feelings because the regular season, the penalty kill has not been great. Uh, the defensive structure has not been great. And then I look at what they did in the playoffs the last two years when he was on the bench in playoffs 2020-2021, where defensively, and yes, Carey Price helps, they were very good at what they did. And the penalty kill was incredible. I don't know where the disconnect is here. It's not all Shea Weber. That's that's for sure. I, I don't know. I, I'm leaning towards if they want to offer Luke Richardson the job, I say you let him take it at that point. Yeah, I think, you know, when you get to a situation where the team is asking for permission to interview your guy and you've granted it, you've, so, you've, you've sort of opened that door that, you know, if they do make an offer, it seems like he's going to go to Chicago. Um, 
you know, I'm I'm sort of with you on the, the whole, you know, the, the, the defensive results haven't really been there, um, you know, in larger sample sample sizes for Luke Richardson. I still think he's a he's he's got a proven track record as a leader behind that bench. Um, you know, when when Claude Julian went out during the or not Claude Julian, when uh sorry, when that was that was Kirk Muller who took over in that that instance. When it when, you know, Dom Ducharme had to stay home because he, he had COVID. Richardson sort of stepped in and was he's a stoic guy back there like he's not there's you're not going to stay much that's that's going to make him get flustered or frustrated um I think he's a guy that I think the Chicago Blackhawks are probably targeting because he is a calming influence um and sort of a not very flashy character I think Chicago needs some stability right now both on and off the ice I think that um, Luke Richardson can be that guy. I'm also really happy for the guy. I mean, you know, results aside, right? Like I can, we can talk about the results of the team, and the, you know, I think a lot of what, a lot of his job has been made increasingly difficult by the fact that the, the defense was built for this team to play hockey in 1985. Um, you know, that's not that's not much that that Luke Richardson can can deal with. So. You know, he goes to a different situation in Chicago. Maybe he's not in charge of the defense there. He's just sort of the head coach. He makes lineup decisions, but he's not a tactician when it comes to playing how to play defense. Um, but generally speaking, I like Luke, Luke Richardson, the guy. Um, you know, I think I don't, and I, I sort of said this when Martin St. Louis said that he didn't really want to move out of any of his coaches. I don't know how any one of them can feel safe. I mean, the power play has been just as bad as the defense has been for a very long time. Yeah. I, I, I kind of look at this as this is a new opportunity basically for the Canadians is that I don't know who they're going to replace them with. I don't think they're going to dip into the Rockets coaching staff right now. They might. Um, I'm trying to think of actually who is coaching the defense there. And I don't know off the top of my head, which proves I'm the worst rocket full-time reporter they have. Um, <laughs> But it's an opportunity and it's a chance to continue this change in that I think Luke Richardson has done a lot of very admirable things with this team. And this is not a like Michel Therrien and J.J. Daniel and all those guys where it's like, get the hell out. I will pack your bags and take you to Trudeau myself. This is a it, it is kind of a shame because I think Luke Richardson is a very kind hearted guy. Uh, all the work he does for charity, uh, for his daughter and everything is it's important, and I like seeing the Canadians support that, and the guys clearly respect him, and I think he would have the utmost respect of everyone on the bench in Chicago too because he seems very down-to-earth but also very no-nonsense. But for the betterment of the Canadians going forward and continuing to modernize their team a little bit, it seems easiest just to kind of let him go, and I think it'll sting a little bit. That's you know a big presence in the room there. Obviously, Martin St. Louis is still learning the reins there, Luckily, there's 7 million coaching vacancies out there right now and 7 million coaches that are out there. I'm wondering if the pull of Martin St. Louis and all these first-round picks, if there's a coach that had an unsuccessful run or was you know, uh, kind of fired unceremoniously going, what if I associate coach you know, like Kirk Muller did when he was here in Montreal? And I wonder if that's you have a mentor for Martin St. Louis and you get another prominent voice on the bench there. I'm very curious to see where this goes. And my my biggest thing is I'm glad we are not the Flyers 
who have decided John Tortorella was worth a second round interview or the Dallas stars who apparently Pete DeBoer is their leading candidate. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't get it on either of those fronts. Pete DeBoer is going to turn the stars into a powerhouse for two years and the wheels are going to fall off and we're through this whole cycle again. So um, to shift gears a little bit, we have a ton and I mean a ton like giant cartoony dollar sign bandit bag ton of questions to get to. And that's all going to be coming up in our next segment. But first, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net, who is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. If you go check out their website, you're going to get all the latest odds, props, lines, and everything from the NHL Stanley Cup Finals to the NBA Finals, baseball, NFL futures, MMA, UFC, whatever you are looking for, BetOnline has you covered. And they do esports, live betting, all that, all in one place. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. All right. So if we're going to dive right into this, we're going to start with our uh, questions that came from YouTube comments, which if you ever want to get send us questions uh, at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, lockdown Canadians at gmail.com in the YouTube comments, uh, carrier pigeon. I don't know. If you send a carrier pigeon, I will be shocked because I don't give my address out to anybody here. So uh, we're going to jump right into the YouTube questions. This one comes from Gregory Debu, and I'm really hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Quick question for you guys. Who is the most overrated prospect in the Habs system and the most underrated prospect? Um, I, don't, I mean, this is more your area of expertise than mine. I think we hear I mean, we hear a lot about Gooley. Um but I think it's for good reason. I mean, he was a first-round draft pick. Like, that's that's not nothing. Um, uh, underrated. I feel like people are kind of underselling Norlander just because we haven't really seen him. I think the the upside for him is is quite um, is quite high. If it pans out, that's a big if, especially in Montreal, especially defensemen. It's a big if. So, I mean, those are those are my two guys. But I, I think. The truth for all of them sort of stands somewhere in the middle, um, as with any prospect evaluation, really. I'm, and I'm going to catch crap for this, and I don't mean to, but um, if I'm going with overrated, uh, I look at someone like Arbor Jacki, who I think has a nasty physical edge to his game, has kind of blossomed a little bit offensively, but he's playing as an overager on a stack team right now. And that's, you know guess what? That's, that's what he should be doing. And for underrated, I think a lot of people, um, Norlinder is a good one. And I do think that's a very good one. I think a lot of people, um, are somehow still kind of sleeping on Sean Farrell as a prospect. I know that he went to the Olympics and he played the world championships. He's someone that I, I've really liked since the minute I wrote his draft profile, and I think he's going to be a real big piece of this lineup here. And I don't hear him mentioned a lot in terms of people who might be closer to the NHL than they think. He's a little bit older. He lost a year of NCAA time because of the pandemic. But I look at this and I go, he's going to be good. Like he's going, I think he's got talent to do a lot here. Um, this one actually comes from a DM on Twitter from Eric Blay uh, for the Friday ma- mailbag. Hey, LOC crew. My question is regarding Joshua Watt and the rules contracts are transferring between CHL junior leagues. Are players allowed to transfer between the 
uh, OHL one year and choose to play in the WHL another year. Uh, so theoretically, could they send Joshua back down next year after nine games and let him go to a WHL team, for instance, saying, okay, you dominated the queue. We want you to go to the WHL uh, to work on your defensive game. And that's, that's an interesting question because I know that you can transfer leagues, but I don't believe that you can there's some weird red tape around this that I wish I had a more definitive answer, but I think it's a fascinating idea because I'm imagining like soccer transfers where it's like Joshua was going from Sherbrooke to Moose Jaw in exchange for cash and this prospect going back the other way. And the other thing is, could they loan into the SHL or something to get closer to NHL quality of competition uh, they have to find a team willing to take on a prospect like that, especially in European leagues, which now are a lot more populated with homegrown players. But I don't know. I think it'd be fun to see it like an interleague loan system, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the the I think some of that red tape that's there is you get dra- when you're drafted into the CHL, you're drafted into a certain league in the CHL. It's not like a, a big CHL draft. The Q, the Q has its own draft. The OHL has its own draft. So that's where it becomes difficult, I think, to transfer guys between those leagues. Um, but I, I, I will say I am kind of just generally speaking um, pleased by the idea that fans are understanding that these guys aren't going to be ready as soon as they're eligible to come up. Like, I think that's a, that's something that's got to be undone in like the psyche of the last decade that if guys don't make the NHL immediately, they're busts, right? Like this, the progress of a prospect doesn't have to be linear. And it doesn't always follow the same sort of generic path. Like you can have an Arturi Lackin who spends all the time over in Europe and then just shows up at training camp one year and goes, I'm an NHL player now. There's nothing you can do about it. So um, great question. I, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I think it would be kind of neat to that interleague uh, loan doesn't play out. Uh, this one comes from Patrick Lafleche. I Lafleche, Lafleche. I'm I'm very sorry if I'm mispronouncing these. Please don't uh, tweet mean things at me. Who are the wingers that the Habs trade this off season? It seems that they already have too many of them. And I I don't want to answer for Ian, but I think we both know what our answer would be is that they need to trade Mike Hoffman immediately. But um, I can't help but think Yul Armia is on his way out at some point this off season. Yeah, those were both my answers, and I think I think Yul Armia is definitely to be on them. Um, but I, I think with Hoffman, your brother year, at least just to see if he can recoup some kind of value because there was not an end of the season, unfortunately, even as guys got better under really didn't. So maybe you keep him around, see if he can, he can fluff those numbers with, with power play goals. Um, but yeah, I think, think those are the two prime suspects. The rest I think you're generally either here to stay because they like them or here to stay because the contracts are too onerous. Uh, from John Paul Murray, Scott, without looking at Jersey's roster or cap situation or knowing exactly what immediate help means, how might Gallagher, Petrie, and Anderson for second overall sound? And my first thought is that's a lot, and that's taking a lot out of this Canadian's lineup in terms of leadership and like veterans in the locker room. It's three guys who I think are pretty well liked overall here. And if you take them out, um, 
it, it makes New Jersey very, very good uh, getting that kind of lineup together. But I don't think if you're the Canadians, you do that unless your plan is to be absolute dog water for at least the next two years and land Connor Bedard as well. Yeah, and I just I, I think you know, when we look at trades, a lot of times we're just looking at entries on a cap for not as uh, you know living, breathing people involved in the the, the, the fabric of a dresser. Like that's a lot to remove. And you know we've seen what can go wrong when that happens. And was was you know the the exact counter arc for trading half of your your team's leadership. So. Um, yeah, you get second overall, but I, I, I think I don't really think there's much of a chance Montreal has to get that unless they're trading the first to move down. Uh, this one comes from Sebastian the Clerk. Uh, for the mailbag, there's some comparisons to be made between Gorton's 2019 Rangers team that where the summer he acquired Jacob Truba via trade and uh, landed Artemi Panarin in free agency. Similar to the Rangers at the time, the Habs have young players to build around. Does he go after Forsberg and find a veteran D-man in the trade market this summer, or does he wait one more season to make the big splashes? And my thought is uh, I'd be shocked if the Canadians land any big-name free agent this offseason just based on the way things are going. But I do think there's some, they're going to land somebody just because I think the appeal of Martin St. Louis is just too strong for some of these guys right now, especially with the first overall pick coming in too. Yeah, I, I understand the the desire to draw that comparison to what he, what Gordon was doing in New York, but you also have to remember that he was the general manager there. He's in a different role here. He's he's essentially you have to think of him as like our Brendan Shanahan, in the sense that he's well, yes, he is. He's very much involved in these you know the decisions around the direction in which this team is going to go. I doubt he's telling. Kent Hughes in his first offseason as general manager that he has to go out and sign a massive free agent. I just I don't see that being part of the reality for, for this team this season. Next season, I think, might be a coin flip. We really have to see how this one plays out and see where some of the young guys come along and maybe they fill some holes where you don't really think you need to add something of that capacity. Uh, and our last question from YouTube comes from Connor Kenny. If Price does end up playing next year and not going on LTIR, are the Habs going to trade Jake Allen for picks and cap space? I don't. I thought the time to do that was this year. Honestly, like I thought, I I thought that it made a lot of sense. There were a lot of teams that needed goalies, and a lot, and one team that just made it to the conference final who absolutely needed a goalie. Who, whether the the price on Jake Allen was just too high, or the Canadians weren't really, really willing to him. Um, Again, it all comes back to that question, right? Is price going to be okay? <laughs> Which is it's more so, m more of, you know, it's a problem for this team than I think they'd like to admit. It's $10 million that they don't know how they're going to allocate, and it's it's a goaltending position that they struggled at last year that they have to try to figure out this year. So, you know, they, 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 have, to, they have to figure something out, whether it's Jake Allen starting or it's Carey Price starting, but I don't think you can... I think you got to insulate Primo from that situation, but that's a different argument entirely. My thought on this before we go into our final segment was if Price is here, Allen is here too, because they know Jake Allen is a very good uh, squire to carry Price, and I think that's important. If Price is gone or can't play, uh, it's going to get interesting from there. 
that's when I think Allen gets traded. They find someone in the market, sign them cheaply and, and go from there for right now. Uh, but if Kerry's good to go, they're going to give him, you know, the one B to help him out. And I, it, it is by far probably the most interesting storyline outside of the draft. If you're in Montreal this year. So, uh, we have so, so many more questions. These all came from our Twitter listeners and enemies and such. And that's all coming up in just one moment. All right. So we are back. And before we get into the next thing, I do have a favor to ask. If you go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash surveys, take a survey. Let us know what you'd like about Locked On Podcast, what we can do better. Please fill it out. It doesn't take long. And it really helps us to help you put together a better show every single day when we sit down to record and you'll be entered to win one of 10 100 Ticketmaster gift cards so that's lockedonpodcast.com slash survey uh just gonna jump right into these uh randy hansen has what draft viewing party is favored by the lockdown crew and i have to be honest i don't know i was discussing this with laura because the draft starts on thursday night in which then we have to put out a show for all of you afterwards. So I will be doing that for my Airbnb and then figuring it out from there. Uh, it will be a good time. If you see us hang out, don't be weird. Uh, be respectful. And we're happy to say hi and chat for a little bit. But don't be weird. Please don't be weird. That's that's my thing. Um, this one comes from uh, DF Pendries. Uh, who has been underperforming on the Rocket? And I assume this means for the playoffs. Ian, I don't know how much of the Rocket you've actually watched uh, uh, so far yeah. in the playoff run. A, a fair portion. I know I've I'm two of this series. I saw games one and three, so I guess I'll take the heat for them losing both of those games. Um, I mean, the defense looked looked like it really struggled in the last game. Um, Schooneman was, was not looking all that great. He did end up scoring, but there wasn't really much they were doing to stop the cycle of, of, um, Springfield. I, I think, and I think they're relying a lot on rush opportunities. They're not really getting a ton, you know, from a, from, from cycling, just like Springfield does. So I guess you could say, you could say that there's a lot of forwards who aren't exactly pulling their weight. Um, but with that said, there are still a lot of bright spots on that roster. Like, Gignac's been fantastic. He's just been – every time I watch him, he's doing something, like, borderline spectacular. So, um, I don't really know who to – I don't really know if there's a way you can pin these losses on any one person, so to speak. I And that's the thing is I don't think I'm pinning it on any one person. I think that they have been – uh, Schooneman has been underwhelming considering how good he was in the NHL and what I know – uh, he can do at the AHL level here. And I look at someone like Jean-Sebastian D, who has been good, but needs to find another gear because they need some offense. And he's the guy they're going to rely on for that. I don't think anyone's been bad. Yeah. Uh, by any means, the officials have been terrible. That's really <laughs> been about it. But uh, I wouldn't say anyone on the team's been bad. It's a lot of scoring by committee. So some guys just kind of ebb and flow through things here. And I think this is part of it. Yeah. Uh, second question: How favorable would a Kulak contract have to be for it to make sense to bring him back? I mean, what was he making when they dealt him? Like a million God. bucks? Like it, it couldn't have been anything a lot more than that. I I can't imagine he's going to break the bank. He's a on a good day, he's a middle pairing defenseman. On a rough day, he's he's your five or six, and he's a good five or six. Um, so I think anything under two million, and you're you're kind of cool with that. Um, 
He got yeah. paid 1.85 over uh, for three years. So he has three-year 5.5 million, so 1.85 per season on that. Oh, wow. Is an insane steal for Brett Kulak. And if you give him a slight raise, like... Yeah, that it I, is a steal for him, but even I was even still surprised to see him get that. He's got a good agent. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm surprised he got three years, to be honest. Yeah, That's that the part too. that shocks me, is because I thought they're going to just one year along him until he's gone, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, one last question. Isn't Beth from the Happy Hour, who asks questions here every week, great? Yeah, Beth is wonderful. Hi, Beth. Uh, we have a bunch of questions from Jeff the Red here, so I'm going to start right down here. Uh, how do you think the Oilers would have done this postseason with someone like Jake Allen or just league average goaltending? Not just against Colorado, but would their series of Calgary have been shorter, do you think? And my first thought is, yes, they'd probably be cup favorites if they had literally anybody who was not Mike Smith starting and playing well for them. Which is insane because, like, statistically, he was like a 920 going into that final game, I think. But... He just – every game, it just seems like he gifts two goals. Like, he's getting peppered with shots every night. And then he makes all the really, really tough saves. And then Rasmus Anderson scores on a wrist shot from his own blue line. Like, it, it's it's insane to me. Mike Smith is a goalie I don't get. Because, like you said, there are times when he's just lights out. But the minute it goes against him, just throw it all out the window. He's done. When yeah. Mike Smith is done, you know that he's done. And it, it's he doesn't dial it back in. He just gets angrier and starts doing dumber things. Uh, from Randy Hansen, having day two tickets for rounds two through seven is normal, right? And as someone who did that at the draft here in Buffalo, yes. Uh, bring a mobile charger if you can get one in there because you're going to go through it, especially if the Wi-Fi is struggling. Um, enjoy some Bell Center hot dogs. Uh, hang out with some people, enjoy the draft. It's a good time. Um, if he's available, do you tender an offer to Dylan Strome? That'd be an offer sheet, right? I I don't know because I don't believe Chicago's going to qualify him was the rumor. Oh, interesting. Well, if it's Which, an offer sheet, my answer is no. I think we got to be done with those. Like, I'm over that. <laughs> I don't want any more of that smoke. Yeah, it's I if he's not getting qualified, he's someone I would look at then because yeah. I I know he's he has flaws, but he's an NHL caliber player, and I don't understand what Chicago's doing here with this. Like, then again, I don't want to know. I hope Chicago's uh, hockey team continues to struggle for an eternity because that's exactly what they deserve, if not worse. So, I. I would. It all depends on what that qualifying offer comes in at and if the Canadians can make it work around other things. Yeah. Uh, from Jeff the Red, what will you eat if the Rocket win the Calder Cup? And I assume this is directed at me. Uh, I don't eat things that are weird to, like, celebrate happy occasions in hockey. I usually eat gross things when I lost a bet um, or we hit subscriber goals because y'all love that kind of content. But I'm going to say... Fried chicken cheeseburger. Well, well, Scott, there's, you know, a lot of yours are, are gross Mountain Dew themed. I, there are rumors that there's a pickle flavor coming out. Maybe that's no, what you could. No, 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 no. That's a no from you? No, <laughs> no, no, no. No to pickle flavored Mountain Dew. You heard Absolutely it here, folks. 3,000 subscribers and he'll drink the pickle Mountain Dew. Uh, why? Why would you... <laughs> guesting on my show and just throwing me under the bus like i'll drink this. it with you i'll drink it with you oh god 
I already have to do the hot ones challenge because Patrice Bergeron isn't coming to Montreal, so that's going to be <laughs> terrible. Uh, based on what you know about draft prospects, oh, is there an <laughs> off-the-board pick you can see the Habs making in rounds two or later? And yes, and I'm going to quote Matt Drake on this, uh, Jordan Dumai, who played for the Halifax Moosehead, did not get invited to the Combine, is rated anywhere from early third to like fourth round-ish. And I think with the numbers he put up, uh, if I'm the Canadians, I'm looking at that and going, that's my guy. And I think that's uh, I think that's their off-the-board pick for this draft. Admittedly, I haven't looked deep beyond first-round writing profiles and stuff right now just because a lot of stuff going on, man. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> this is why we have Tony Ferrari and Scouching and other people coming on because they know more than I do about everybody. Uh, speaking of bets from a previous question, hi, I remember to ask a question this week. Do you think a current player or Marty, Kent, or Jeff will announce the first overall pick? I bet they I bet Kent Hughes announces it. It's his first pick as the general manager. I bet they give that to him. I, I if they were gonna do something goofy, it would be the second, the second first that they have. My thought is they're going to have Jeff Molson address everybody because obviously it's at the Bell Center. It was supposed to be there what two years ago or a year ago, whatever. Yeah. He'll announce, say, you know, uh, we're proud to welcome you in English and in French. I will not attempt to speak French because I do not have the je ne sais quoi to pull that off. <laughs> and then he will introduce Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. Hughes will franglais his way through this um, pick like Trevor Timmons always did. Selection A. Uh, <laughs> and they will pick Shane Wright. And then I think the second first round pick um, – they might have someone like Nick Suzuki or whomever yeah. do that. I think um, whoever, if they have a player do that, whatever player they have is wearing the C next season. Yeah. That that's, I think going to be the hint there. Um, another one from Jeff, the red, what role do you see Chris Weidman settling into next season? Uh, a bottom pairing guy, maybe, maybe middle uh, in a pinch, but bottom pairing guy, he'll play power play. Um, you know, He'll be one of the defensemen, I think, that hits the ice in three-on-three. Three. Um, but other than that, I mean, it, it was a good signing for Montreal, but, I mean, everyone was like – I think there was sort of like a, a backlash after, like, why do we care so much about the Chris Weidman signing? Well, because it's neat. It's neat that we have that piece that can sort of be a leader in the room and do other stuff. I, I look at Weidman, too, and I go, you're the ideal, like, sixth defenseman. You can move the puck. You're – fine enough in your own zone that it's not like Marc-Andre Bergeron uh, levels of bad. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he can play the power play and he, he makes the coward Mark Shifley fill his diaper when he's on the ice. So like, and surprisingly, he seems to be extremely well liked. Laura and I talked about this yeah. after he resigned. He it feels like he's matured since the Uber incident. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but I think as a guy who plays power play, if he puts up 20 points as your third pairing defenseman, like what are you going to do? He's there to hold a place until the prospect sees it. And then he becomes a seventh defenseman and rotates in. Yeah. Not the end of the world. No. Um, has Caden Primo's playoff performance earned him another opportunity to be the backup and get starts in the NHL if Carey Price can't go? I don't know. I, yeah, I'm I'm very much keep him in the nurse until you are absolutely certain that he is ready to go. I think he will see plenty more games this season. 
Um, yeah. The Canadians, I think Kevin Poulin will be back for the Rocket next year, but you need – they learned very quickly this year they need goaltending up because they traded Michael McNiven and everything went to hell after that. Yeah. So I'd look for them to sign some CHL or NCAA free agent goalies or something this offseason to kind of help fill that void if, God forbid, anything goes wrong. Um, I do think he's going to see more NHL action than normal this year. Um, and one more from Randy Hansen. Are these fair comparisons for style of play? Shane Wright is John Tavares. Yaroslavkovsky is Dinah Zubris. And Logan Cooley is Mike Badano. I don't fully know um, because, one, I didn't really get to see Zubris and Medano really play a ton in their prime. And I, I, know, I don't like player comps. I like Shane Wright is Shane Wright, you know, um, Logan Cooley is Logan Cooley. Simon Nemitz is Simon Nemitz. I, I like to let players be themselves because when you attach a label to them that they are this guy, the expectation becomes that they are going to be that guy always. And yeah. it's a tough thing to live up to. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a huge guy on player comps, especially when Cole Caulfield was drafted in the States on the broadcast. They they uh, His player comp was Lionel Messi. Like, they just... They just threw that one away. Like it was like, you know, if, if if watching a player reminds you of a certain player, cool. I'm glad you you found that and you got to remember a guy along with us. All right, uh, I have one last question. Uh, this is coming from me. Uh, I need you to rank your top three Pokemon before we go. <sighs> top three Pokemon. Uh, I was I always liked Poliwhirl. I don't know why. So he's a solid three. Um. I've discovered later in life that if I had, if I was a gym leader, I would be a bug gym leader. So I'm gonna go. Uh, I'll I'll probably go Venonat in second, and then Charizard's in first because that's what you, that's who you pick when you start the game naturally. Although I am doing a run right now where I pick Squirtle just to change it up. But I I always bounce between this whether or not we're including legendaries or not. Um, I always have Snorlax in my top three. I, I love Snorlax unabashedly. Um, and then I, I've, if we're including legendaries, I've always had ho I've always had a soft spot for ho in my thing here. Uh, if not him, uh, playing the later generations, I've come to really, really love Garboder because he starts <laughs> out as a literal bag of trash. And when I did my uh, Sword and Shield playthrough, I named him Corey Perry. Uh, nice. As a term of endearment. Uh, and then Gengar. I always, I always loved Gengar and always like that. So um, I guess uh, if you're listening or watching this, drop your top three favorite Pokemon. We will discuss this at a later date or Ian and I will talk about it on Twitter. We won't roast you. That would be rude. Um, you can follow Ian at maybe it's Ian on Twitter. Subscribe to the build. That is his podcast as he talks about the Canadians continued efforts in their rebuild and the path forward. You can follow us at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter uh, subscribe on YouTube. We hit a thousand subscribers, which means we make that YouTube money now. So thank you very much for that. You can follow Laura at the active stick and myself at Scott Matla. We have a lot coming up for you next week and we will see you all next time.